Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome in everyone here, of course, Red Sox beat uh, on CLNS Media, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Red Sox. At Red Sox, CLNS is the coverage for the network. Our show is Red Sox Beat on Podcast on Facebook. Search us on, on iTunes, rate, review, and subscribe, all that good stuff as well. Uh, your Boston Red Sox are in first place still, tied relatively with the Yankees. Technically, they are in first, but hey, <laughs> I'll say tied because it sounds better for us. Um, kind of a disappointing week, just course alongside me here jared um just not the week we thought it'd be looking at the schedule it seems like the oakland a's just kind of have their number um and they for some reason they only play well against the red sox but overall not a terrible week yeah no it's not awful and taking three out of four from the orioles obviously bumps up your week you know they finish um four and three which isn't bad it's better it's worse than you would have expected i mean we were thinking at least five and two five and two six and one but I mean, I said they went three out of four against the Orioles. They did that. It's just those pesky A's. I don't know what it is. They're the only team with a winning record against the Red Sox. They're four and two against the Sox, and obviously now we're we're done with them for the regular season. But I mean, for some reason they just you know we can't seem to beat Sean Mania, and we only won two out of six games, which is, is pretty bad. That so. blows my mind that we're done with them already. Like I know it's like it's only May. Hey, whenever when do we ever play the A's two different series is by. By middle of May, I know right? it's crazy. Um, I'm okay with Weird. it because they seem, can't seem to beat them. So uh, yeah, right. and you get them out of the way. I can't imagine you're gonna have to play them again because they probably won't make the playoffs. So uh, I think yeah. you're good there. Um, but I think the two biggest stories this week: Carson Smith situation uh, and Swihart. So let's start there with Carson Smith. Um, he has shoulder sub sublation, some like subluxation, sub, subluxation. Yeah, however you want to say it. I don't even know, but um, he's probably done they're fearing that it's it's major um he's technically on what the 10 ddl right now um that's concerning to me in a way that obviously it is but like this guy is a free agent after this year he could never he could be done in a red Sox uniform before he's really done anything yeah if he's done that's the most pathetic Red Sox career ever which is a huge shame after the great numbers he put up in his last year in Seattle but then obviously a Tommy John pitched a couple games and then missed all of last season and you know pitched the last month and he was good but only pitched a month and now here he comes this year and he's terrible in his first couple outings and then he gets a little bit better and then this so I mean it's the whole thing's very weird because you have you have Smith throwing down his glove in frustration all of a sudden that turns into shoulder subluxation 
which turns into him whining about how he's pitching too much and his arms fatigued, which turns into Cora saying, that's not true. We check with all our pitchers. He never said anything. So if his arm's sore, that's on him. And that was that. <laughs> well, I will say that's one thing that I love about the situation is that Alex Cora, like, fought back at it. Like, right. Carson Smith said, oh, I w- it must have been fatigue. Like, I've been pitching a lot, blah, blah, blah. And then Cora's like, not at all. Like, w- in what world would John Farrell have ever said that? Just, I hate to go back to it, but, like, <laughs> would he have ever, well, he would never have said, no, that's wrong. Well, the thing about Cora is he's honest, and, you know, it's never a good look to, like, quote-unquote, call out your players. I don't really necessarily feel like that's what this was, because he was just asked well, no, what Smith he thought was, about Smith was kind of calling out his manager, more than anything. Right, he was blaming the team for him being an idiot and throwing his glove, and Cora's just like, no. So, I, I don't like this, I think that's better taken care of under closed doors but i get why he did it because smith like called him out at the same time and he obviously thought that was bullcrap and he said he was going to talk to him about it i don't know if he ever did i mean smith didn't comment on what cora said so i don't know if it's going to go anywhere else or if it's just ends here or maybe they talked behind closed doors and that ended it but i do like the honesty from cora and i know it's from a fan's perspective which most people listening to the show are it's nice and refreshing to hear a manager just kind of say like that's not true. That's not what happened. Yeah, because most managers, and including John Farrell, would mean, you know, when we're handling it, uh, we'll take care of it, and you know, we might think that that's fine. You know, we we, we kind of monitor our players, and we have it under control, and like just kind of let it go. But like, I, I respect the fact that Corey knows he's in this market. He goes out like he has a player call him out. He's gonna go, no, we check with our players all the time, and if if Carson really wasn't healthy or didn't think he was like we check with them all the time, and there was a t- and he even said he was like, yeah, there was a time last week that. We asked him if he was good to go. He said he was tired, so we didn't pitch him. And the eighth yep. inning was somebody else. So he's right. like, we asked them all the time because we don't want that to happen. So if he was tired, that's news to us because we asked them all the time. Um, and it's, and be- it's smart. It's smart on Cora's part too, because like, if he if he gave the John Farrell line, you know, we'll 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 figure it out and we'll 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 talk internally. Then everyone's just like looking for answers. They're just like, so is his arm fatigued? Did they overpitch him? Like it just it just leads to like endless questions where we're just wondering what the heck's going on instead yeah. of being like, Oh, this happened. This exactly. is what's going on. Exactly. No questions. We have no questions now. We know exactly what's happening. Yeah. So that's that's what I love about it. And it's a it's a weird situation because like is it if it's really shoulder fatigue, how much can shoulder fatigue cause this kind of injury just by throwing a glove? Like how hard did he throw the glove? Like that's what gets me is that how, like how messed up is your arm in the yeah, first place? <laughs> that's what gets me is like throwing a glove is just like throwing one more pitch. So yeah. is it really like that that kind of incident can cause something unless he was that sore and tired and didn't say anything? At that point, it goes back to Carson Smith. Would he have subluxed his shoulder on the next pitch or two he threw? Was it like was it that bad? Yeah, right? like if he stayed you in, know? was he going to do it on the mound? <laughs> right? That's what I'm wondering. Like, what? I mean, yes, I know throwing a glove is different than throwing a baseball, but you throw a baseball a lot faster. So <laughs> if you're throwing a glove against like a seat that or like a the wall how does that do that yeah it makes it makes zero sense and after having tommy john and going through all that and strengthening your arm back up and taking forever to come back just to have this happen i know it's his elbow and this is his shoulder but like dude what's wrong with your arm so what's my canal question is like what does this do from here one does carson smith pitch in a red Sox uniform again we don't know until we really know how long he's gonna supposed to be out like if they say it's major and there's a longer timetable then he's gone like he's done it's gonna be a long issue it's gonna linger like the other one other thing did obviously it was Tommy John but like 
he's done. Now, if it's day-to-day, then you'll get to see him again, but what does he come back as? Is his, is his shoulder too fatigued to pitch the rest of the year? A lot's going to tell us when they finally let us know what's going on, but like, I'm really intrigued to what the next steps are with this, because he hasn't been ba- great, he hasn't been that lockdown Ethan, the guy we want him to be, and now you're hoping that's what Thornburg is when he comes back, but like, he hasn't been terrible either, and the bullpen does need some help, so it would be a, it would be a loss. Yeah, I mean, he really could have made a huge difference. Obviously, that's what they brought him here for. But I have a few questions. One, is this guy fit for Boston? Because saying the things he said kind of makes it seem like he's not. Like, yeah. are you really gonna you're really gonna start blaming your team and your manager? So that's my first question for him. My second question is, or statement really is, I'd say if he's out for more than three months, then he's never gonna pitch here again because they're just gonna be like, all right, screw you. But if it's like a you know two to four week thing, you know two weeks to a month or so, even a month and a half, I think he will pitch here again. But will he pitch good? I, I hope this would be motivation to pitch well for him. But if his arm really is that messed up, how effective will he be? It'd be sad. I mean, I, I, he had so much potential. I'd hate for him to not pitch here again. Like that would be such a bust. Like what do you pitch like fifteen games in your Red Sox career? So I hope for his sake, and I hope for the Red Sox sake, if he can be healthy i think he's a valuable piece but if he's gonna be out for like four months forget it yeah and that's the thing that like it it, it, it's crazy because you trade wade miley right for this guy and think that's a good deal right you don't need wade miley yeah you you get a guy who can be your eighth inning guy okay he's hurt whatever he'll come back he'll be fine but now it's like i'd rather wade miley back in this you know what i mean like keep wade miley he he was at least like consistent and pitched a lot of games like he he ate innings like that's the thing is like this guy carson smith now is like okay nah i'm over it don't if you're gonna play play if not you're done yeah he's maybe miley ate innings carson smith isn't eating anything (laughs) yeah so i mean yeah i mean to this point in their careers even though miley's was a short one with the red sox uh, Miley's, Miley's had a better Red Sox career than Smith has, which is pretty sad, but yeah. it's true. Ugh, I don't know. Well, well, obviously, we don't really know where this one's going to go until we get the diagnosis completely. We haven't been told that yet. So, in terms of like timetable, um, when's his ten day DL up? Um, I think he, he was placed on it like two or three days ago. So still pretty recent. Okay, so three, maybe we'll, four, we'll, three or four we'll, days we'll, ago. We'll know sooner rather than later what's going on because if. Yeah, he's getting a second opinion on his labrum next week, so it sounds like we should know next week if it's going to be a two-week or a six-month thing. So we can complain more about Carson Smith on next week's show. Um, <laughs> yes. Other big news this week was Blake Swihart, his agent, um, reached out to the team and basically asked them for a trade. Um, Dombrowski kept saying stuff about like him being protection for a third catcher, blah blah blah. Um, but basically, he said his agent said yes. We've had conversations with the team, and they're aware of how we feel. Blake's in a very really difficult situation. We've got a switch hitter, offensive impact player, and his bat deserves a chance to be in the lineup. He's not the type of player that's going to ask or demand for a trade on his own. He's focused on what's in front of him and play, having happy a position impact on the team. And the situation at hand, that being said, I don't think we're building any type of trade value nor helping him progress as a ball player, nor is the team really being served by him in this role. Um, so I heard hasn't really said anything. I think he said back in May or something like he, or earlier in May that he wasn't going to talk about it. That's his agent's job, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then his agent went on and said, with Dustin Majora returning, it seems now that would be the time to make a move with Blake. Um, and then Dombrowski came back and through email um, to... 
Evan Drellick. Uh, always listen to the player agent and understand their desire to play. However, do not have a set policy about this. Um, it's a dicey situation, is really what it is. Because you had a guy who was primed to be in the catching situation and then got moved to left field because Sandy Leone was here and having a good year behind Vasquez, so it made sense at the time. Then he got screwed and got hurt where he was playing really well, and then Ben Attendee got brought up, so now Swihart gets shunned. He's finally back healthy, had a killer spring, that's why he made the roster, and Marrero got shipped out of town, and then now Swihart's not even being used. And the catcher situation here, and I love Vasquez, neither of them are playing well. Um, there's no production at the plate. Defensively, Sandy Leone's been better, and that's shocking, but like they're not great either way. I'm surprised Swire hasn't even got a shot behind the plate, but like, if you want to trade him and his agent wants to be traded, what kind of value is there anyway? I know, because like, what sample size do we have from any recent time period? You know, he's played an inning or here. I think he he caught one inning when he came in at late late in the game a couple days ago. Yep. So he he's caught one inning behind the plate and played sparingly otherwise. So. I mean, yeah, he he didn't want to say much about it. I did see that after after this news came out that his agent wanted to trade him. Swihart basically just said, you know, my agent wants me to play. You know, he wants me to, you know, play at all because obviously, like you said, he's he's barely played, and you know that's not really doing anything for him. So his agent just wants him to be able to play for a team, and it's not happening here. So I guess either they got to grant the wish or play him more. And he said he's going to work hard while he's here i mean he's not you know swihart's not saying screw the red Sox. i don't want to be anywhere near here he's saying you know i'm gonna play here as long as i'm here so i guess we'll just see what they can get for him but it obviously hasn't happened yet this news has been out for a couple days and he's still here so i don't know if they'll try to get him more playing time to raise his value to keep him here but obviously his agent just wants him to play it didn't seem point. it didn't seem like and, and Dombrowski basically went on to say the plan is very much what it is right now um protection for us a third catcher um really I, I know people keep writing about that but reality is your 25th player usually doesn't play much um it's more of an unfortunate situation because a lot of times it's a veteran type player which is true um a lot of times this last player on the bench is a guy who is, uh, isn't expecting to play because he's been around the block a few times and he's there for his leadership as much as he is for his scattered play Right now, Swihart's a guy who could play on most teams around the league as a second, first, second catcher, or even just like a spot-up utility guy. He's playing the role of a washed-up, or not really washed-up, but like a veteran piece who isn't expecting to play every day anymore as a kid who wants to play every day. Um, and it's unfortunate because he's, he's filling a need where he is an emergency catcher, which, again, surprised he really hasn't gotten a chance here because the catching has been awful. But, like, there's been, and now with Pedroia coming back, what do you do? Who's going to be the odd guy out on this roster? Right, that's got to be the discouraging thing for him is that, like you said, catching's been garbage, and he's still gotten an inning there. Like, what's that's he got to be do? a little right, exactly. You know? So, and he's twenty six years old now. It's not like he's like twenty one, like breaking in. Like he's you know he's a couple in. more years, and he'll be considered like old, <laughs> old. for baseball, basically. Yeah. Exactly. And Pedroia's so, only a few weeks away. It's not like Pedroia right. is a month or two left. Like they said June, but like he's progressing where he could be back either this week or next. So. Right, he's been playing several AAA games. So, yeah. so if you're Swihart, you're already hardly playing, and then another player comes back who they're going to feel required to play because of who he is. Well, they're going to so play Bedroya. So it's right. like, then Nunez so then, gets put on the bench, so then any utility rot is going to be Nunez, because now that's he's going to play anywhere in the infield. Um, you still have the flexibility of Mitch Moreland at first to put JD in the outfield to keep Jackie Bradley off the field, so you still lose Swihart. But the question now is who comes off the roster to make room for Pedroya? 
Swihart, right? Right. Who who else? Because you, you're playing Brock Holt, unless you don't. You know what I mean? Unless you trade Brock Holt. Right. But like, they're going to pick Holt. They're going to pick Moral, and they're going to pick Nunez. Obviously, like Nunez. They're not going to play Swihart. Yeah, there and really is no place for him. Yeah. So then at that point, you might have to trade him within the next couple of weeks because unless you trade Brock Holt, who else is going to be you off the roster? Right. Unless like five guys get hurt in like a day. Yeah, like that's that's the only way he's gonna play. <laughs> that's <laughs> which probably isn't very likely. No, it's not. What, what do you think they'll do? Yeah, I mean, at this point, with his agent asking for a trade, and when Pedroia comes back, I don't see how there's any way they wouldn't be able to trade him within the next couple of weeks. They kind of have to. I don't want them to. I want them to find a place here, and I've said that show after show after show. But at this point, with the agent asking for it and just being re- realistic, looking at the situation. He's not going to play. No, he's not going to play. Here. Yeah, because they clearly don't want to play him over Vasquez or Sandy Leon, which is insane to me. Like that's what they should. Do, if they're not but... playing, let him play. Let him play some games as a third catcher and see who, if he wins the job. Because Vasquez hasn't earned it as much as I love the guy. Hasn't earned it. Sandy Leon is Sandy Leon, and he had, he's come back to earth compared to what he did last year, obviously. And now, so I heard has earned a right to at least give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, can't be much worse than what you got right now defensively. So right, and they can sit and there and. Vasquez and Leon can be like, wow, like we don't even deserve, like, <laughs> like give them something to think about, you know, like bench him for a couple of games and be like, wow, neither of us are playing. What are we doing wrong here? Yeah, you know, like it's a good kind of a slap in the face for them if they would do that, which they haven't yet. Yeah, but. I don't know. Um, all I do know is if you do love fantasy baseball, Jess, then you need to try out a new favorite app, which is of course Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like the other guys on Draft. You play live snake drafts with other people, just like in your season-long league. Drafts last for just one night, and once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waiver wire. Just set it and forget it. And the best part, of course, you're playing for cold, hard cash, and you get paid on the next day. Drafts start from just a buck, so there's a draft for literally everybody. Uh, Jess and I, obviously, we, we both use Draft. We love it. Um, I did. I haven't done it this week because I've been busy, admittedly. But you know, it, it, it is the ease of week, uh, ease of use. It is that kind of flexibility you have. Plus, the drafts don't take long. It's not like you're doing a season-long fantasy league, Jess. And the drafts are like an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, it takes about five minutes, and you have a roster ready to go. And it still changes every night, which is the benefit of it. Yeah, five minutes is being uh, being a, a over. You know, over the time, it really takes like two or three. It does, yeah, it really doesn't take five minutes. I'm being nice yeah. too. Yeah, it really only takes unless you have minutes. a six-person league. Really, I mean, anything less than that, it's going to take like two or three minutes. Yeah. So, and most of the leagues have two, three people in it. You you pick. There's no mismatching, and it works. Right, exactly, and it's great because like if you want someone like Blake Swihart who never plays, if there's a day he's actually in the lineup, you can pick him that one day and then not care about any of the rest of the time where he never plays. Exactly, you can pick. You can pick anybody. Yeah, it's Which, great. That's what's, what's great about it. And it's not like the other ones where you have multiple players, right? If you get him, he's off the board. Multiple people can't have David Price. Multiple people can't have Chris Sale when he's pitching. It, it doesn't wash out. You, you draft right. him, that's it. He's on the roster. So uh, you want to join us on Draft Dude today, just search Draft in your app store or play right from your computer at draft.com. And for a limited time only, all Red Sox beat listeners get a free entry into a real money baseball draft when you make your first deposit. So but, but you have to use our promo code Red Sox Beat. That's right. Play a real money game for free just for using the promo code uh, Red Sox Beat when you make your first deposit. Search draft again in your app store or go to draft.com and enter that promo code, which again, one more time, is Red Sox Beat. Um, obviously, Blake Swihart is, is news, and I guarantee you he won't be on this team much longer, even if it happens right before Pedroia comes back, which is sooner rather than later. Um, there really is no place for him. It seems like the team has pretty much given up on the guy. Uh, especially with Dombrowski comments, right? It's 
it's unfortunate situation. He's the twenty fifth man on the roster. You're telling somebody that you're that not you're that guy. There's no there's no going up from that. So um, one guy that is going up is Andrew Benatendi, man. He is hitting crap out of the ball, um, and it, it's making me feel better about him being your everyday left fielder slash center fielder because Jackie Bradley sucks. But quickly, Benatendi is finally becoming the player we're expecting him to be after a slow start. Yeah, well, it's nice because. You know, we've been talking week after week about how he's not getting hits, he's not getting home runs, but he was getting on base. He was, you know, he led the team in walks for the first three weeks of the season when he wasn't doing anything. And now, all of a sudden, he's gone from about 250 to 285, and he's hit um, two home runs in the last two days. He hit three home runs this week. He's up to five, so he's really figured it out. 29 RBI is very solid, so he's, he's making the most of his opportunities. He's had RBIs in four straight games. It's seven RBIs in the last four games, so he really, against Baltimore, he really brought it. So having his bat in the lineup, along with the terrors that are Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, I mean, it's scary enough with those two guys. When you have Ben Attendee in the mix, getting, you know, homers every game, then holy crap, this team's dangerous. Mookie Betts, J.D. Martinez, tie for the league leading homers. God, we would have loved to have that last year, right? Um yeah. Mookie Betts having an MVP year. J.D. Martinez is really sliding under the radar. Can I tell you that, too? Because everyone's talking about Price, obviously, which, again, he pitched well. Um, one, that one pitch in the end of the game against the Orioles, who are a terrible, terrible team. But Price looked good in that outing. But J.D. Martinez is just sliding under the radar, Jess, and he's having a really good year. Like I said, leading the league in homers, tied up Mookie Betts. Betts leads the, basically every single offensive category there is. Um mm-hmm. Those two guys alone, never mind Hanley, who's having, who's having a pretty good year, Benatendi heating up in the top of the lineup. Now, when Pedroia comes back, Benatendi goes to hitting fifth or sixth. Like, it, this lineup, when Pedroia comes back, really resets itself. But right now, those two and J.D. Martinez really are just sliding under the radar. Yeah, I mean, if Mookie wasn't doing what he was doing, then J.D. definitely would be getting more praise. But 343, 15 homers, and 41 RBI, the guy's incredible. He is so consistent. He's got unbelievable power. And obviously, like we said, he's tied with Betts for the league lead in home runs. He's second in RBI by, by one. Machado is 42. J.D. is 41. So he's in a triple tri- triple, count, trown, triple, triple crown. Triple crown. That's what it is. Territory <laughs> right now, as, as is Betts. They both are. But J.D.'s even closer with his RBI. So, man, these guys are unbelievable. They're just hitting home runs left and right. It's like nobody's even surprised at this point. This guy was a huge sign. I remember when we had Tim Neverett on right before the season started, and we were like, is he going to make a big difference? And he's like, yeah, because even if he hits like half the amount of home runs as last year, it's still a huge upgrade. Yep. And he's almost at that already. He's already got 15. You know, he gets six more home, seven more home runs. He's already half of last year, and it's not even June yet. So this guy's incredible. And the stat I heard today after the game was that um, the Sox having two guys with 15-plus home runs in the first 47 games, that hasn't happened since the 2001 Rockies with Todd Helton and Larry Walker, where two two guys have had 15-plus homers each and they were through studly. the first 47 they, games. They were studly duo. Oh, yeah. They were incredible. So, like, this is this is historic stuff we're seeing. Like, you don't see guys hitting in the 340s, 360s with this many home runs before it even hits June. No, because so many guys power home run-wise are strikeout guys who can't hit. And that, that was the big thing about Jay right. Martinez versus Giancarlo Stan, right? It was... They're both going to get homers, but Stanton strikes out a lot. J.D. Martinez can actually hit the ball. Yeah, and his I'm not strike sitting... has gone way down since the first couple weeks, too. Yeah, so like that was always way the big down. difference when we were trying to justify not even trying for Giancarlo Stanton was, well, J.D. can hit, too. 
and it's working, right? That's kind of what you needed in this lineup was a guy who can hit for average but still hit the crap out of the ball. Um, so that's kind of why he works really well in this offense and why they wanted him so badly, and I'm pretty sure that's why they didn't go after Stanton because they knew this was the guy they needed who can hit for average and hit homers. Right, those are the players the Sox like for sure. And here, let's do a little number comparison while we're here because it's fun and it's May 20th and, and it'll we're enjoying it. Because it changed in like two months, so. You're right. JD343. Giancarlo Stanton, 263. He's 80 points ahead of him. Yeah, you knew that so was coming. That. that one's more uh, obvious. 15 homers for JD, 11 for Stanton, and 41 RBI for Martinez, 27 for Stanton. And Stanton has 60 strikeouts to JD's 50. So he's got 10 more strikeouts already with his 80 points less of average. And JD has 60 hits and 31 runs. Stan is 45 hits, 15 less, and 32 runs. So the only stat that Stan has beaten JD is with one more run, and that's it. That's it. So I'd say that JD is thoroughly whooping him in almost every single category. Yeah, and and that's and, that's beautiful. And that's the pure hitterness of it. Like he he has worked hard to get to the point where he's a pure hitter. Most of his home runs have been coming opposite field. Like JD Martinez has more power oppo than he does over the monster. He's got to be one of the strongest guys in the league with his power. I mean, and it's so it's smooth. Great. And that, that's I think it'll come more to attention once the Celtics are done, because once that series is over or whenever their runs over, then you have more. You have all the attention. It'll be at that point where like everything else is in break. Uh, the next big thing to happen is like Patriots training camp, which is until August, end of July. So you'll get to the point where now it becomes, hey, it's all Red Sox all the time in this city, and that's where the microscope really turns on a little bit more. So again, we'll see how some players work with that too. Because right you now, know he's right loving now, it though, because he's the you know he's an under the radar guy in the first place, Martinez. Oh, so, like, he's, he's like Al Horford. He, he's loving this. He's like, he, oh yeah, compares, he's definitely like Al Horford. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's that kind of player. So the more other players like Mookie Betts and these, the young core of this team could take the spotlight off of him. Um, he likes coming up in big spots. He likes the challenge, but he doesn't want the spotlight. And that's kind of what's working right now. And if Mookie Betts keeps doing this, Xander Bogarts keeps playing the way he's playing, Hanley's always going to take spotlight because of the personality side of things. Um, it works out well. It really does. So that whole mantra, you know, you bring Pedroia back in a couple weeks. He goes probably – Pedroia probably comes right back in his second. I can't imagine they'd put him anywhere else. Um, I don't know about that. I've heard a lot of people thinking he'll hit like sixth or seventh and just leave the top of the order how it is. I wouldn't hate it. Like I'm not saying putting him second is the right thing to do, but like yeah. they might just do it. And then if you have Pedroia hitting second, that makes Benatendi hitting sixth, even not if not seventh, depending on where you put Devers, um, because you're not going to move Xander down. So this lineup is getting really deep just by putting Pedroia back in the lineup. I think they're going to keep him towards the bottom. I think that they're going to say like. You know, you're not getting demoted because you were hurt, but look what our offense has done without you, and look like, how many good hitters we have at the top if you of the come lineup. In and smoke it, we might put you in number two, but like, right? You got. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with it. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to hit him sixth. Honestly, I think they're going to hit him sixth. I, w- I would do it. I wish they will do it. I really don't think they will, only because it's Pedroia. I think Pedroia is like a rare exception. But at the same time, if there's a gu- one guy that could tell him we're doing this, it'd be Alex Cora. I mean, they played together. Like, and yes. they have that relationship, so I think that would be. I think that would figure itself into it. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back and hitting second. It's good old Dusty Pedroia. Um, but either way, him coming back just one, his, your defense gets tremendously better because Nunez is not Pedroia on the on the field. And two, then you put Nunez on the bench, which 
puts you in heaven anywhere else because if Devers is having a tough game or once you want to say Devers, now you have Nunez about there or short, if you want to give Pedroia some days off to ease him back into it, you have Nunez there. Um, right. Pedroia coming back and Thornburg are two additions that people are going to like really realize and go, oh, you're kind of adding really good players a couple months into the season. For nothing, right? And it's huge for, for both of them, especially Pedroia because like, I think him missing a couple months he's going to be so fresh you know it's going to be like the first game of the season for him like on the first of june you have so the best having record in baseball you're tied for the best record in baseball you were the first team with 30 wins without dustin pedroia or tyler thornburg you're still the only team with 30 wins nobody else has 30 yet you have 30 don't they have 29 they won today i thought they were 30th. Their 30th hold on we'll confirm in two seconds i'm clicking on their name right now 30 Thir- today was 30 uh they hit 30 yep See, when I was preparing earlier, they still had 29. They hadn't won yet. Yeah, so 30. Okay. All right, so before, record, before you know, earlier yeah. in the day, they, they, they didn't have 30. And the Sox have had it for a couple days. So, But they were the first team with 30, one of two teams. They're, they have the best record, one of the best records in baseball, without their, one of their best players. Yeah, that's hard to believe, isn't it? So, I mean, it goes to show that start they had was tremendous, tremendously playing in this. But That's what I said. I said, you go 17-2, and two, you can be – Average as crap for months on end and still be the best team in the league. <laughs> and and that's what I mean. Look what Houston did. They could, he, last year and even the year before that. All, Houston had those those month and a half runs, and it was pretty much five hundred baseball the rest of the way. But it was fine as long as you right. go on a run, you're good. And they did that first to start the year because they were already they were the best team by like ten games by June. So they just cruised the whole rest of the way, and they just were so heads you know heads over everybody else. That they just took it right to the World Series, <laughs> so yeah, seriously. Um, but yeah, this will be good. They'll be good having a fresh Pedroia, and you can, as you said, slot him in two or slot him in six or seven, and just have an insanely good lineup. Before we get to predictions, um, and obviously we'll probably have more Pedroia timetable next week because it seems like this week's going to be pretty important to understanding when he's coming back, and that'll influence the Blake, Blake Swihart thing. So the next week will be a big show in terms of like timetables and things like that. So definitely hit that subscribe button on iTunes so you can uh, get it automatically on Monday morning at 5 a.m. when I have this thing scheduled to be released. Um, One bigger, not really big news, there wasn't much big stuff around the league, but the Braves did release Bautista, and that's what, just (laughs) weird to me out, because he was actually doing okay. They called him up, hit a ding-dong. Braves released Bautista, and look where his career's fallen to. This guy wanted money. He wanted to get paid, and... I think he was he was just in Toronto one too many years is really what it was. Um, Jose Bautista stayed when Edwin Encarnacion left, and it did it to him because now he might even he might not even get picked up. Jess, like this is what gets me is this guy was a fan favorite. I think they all still love him in Toronto, but like he is now a guy who's I don't even know how old he is, but he's in his high thirties. It's thirty seven. He's thirty seven years old. What's going on with him? What, is he going to even get picked up by another team? I don't think so. I think this is it for him. I mean, he got signed by the Braves. He had two home runs, but he went five for 35 for a 143 average. And and he can barely play the field anymore at all. So they said, see ya. Yeah, I think his career is over. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say something that could be untrue, but he's a classic example of steroids, isn't he? He really is. Um, I mean, look at his career. He did nothing for like, you know, he was like a 10 to 15 home run hitter for the first like four or five, six years of his career. And then all of a sudden he goes from 13 in 2009 to 54 in 2010. And then he slowly, you know, 54, 43, 
27, 28, 35, 40, 22, 23. Like, that's a big drop-off. That just screams steroids to me. And he did it in, like, his, you know, low to mid-30s. So, like, you know, I it, it seems like a classic steroids swing of numbers to me. Could be wrong. Hope I, I'm wrong. I, mean, I don't I want believe, anyone to do that. I but. believe it. Like, it definitely makes sense. And now look how much he's dropped off. Um, right. I do. Pretty, I do agree. I, I don't think he's going to get picked up. I think his shot to remake himself was the Braves taking a chance. See what he had. I mean, the Braves are a good team this year. Like, they sure. So, like, which is also crazy because um, the Braves and the Phillies are leading that division, leading the charge. But like this guy, that was it. Like that was the shot. I'm like, oh, good. He got picked up by the Braves. Let's see what happens. Nothing. Absolute nothing. Probably one of the more overrated players in baseball. Like, well, that's the what thing. Like. Even though he still hit a couple home runs, you know, in the low twenties the last couple of years, his average is garbage. Two oh three, two thirty four. I mean, the guy hasn't hit over over two fifty in the last four years. So like he can't do anything. All he does is hit home runs and those are even down from before. So the last three years he just fell off the face of the earth. So I think that might be it for Mr. Batista. If mean, you're thirty seven years old and you can't even stick around with, with the team, then you're you're probably not going very far. No, definitely not. So, um, which is unfortunate because I do like his presence in the league is definitely felt when he's in the league. But um, yeah, I think his peak was when he had that bat flip with Toronto in the playoffs. That was uh, that was Bautista's <laughs> peak. Maybe with steroids, who knows? But uh, before yeah. we get out of here, let's um, let's predict the week here, Jess. And it's a week where you see you're, you're off the road for a little bit, and then you're coming home to play those pesky Braves as well. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. it's it's really that, I'm intrigued for that series. But uh, first, you have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday's an off day. Three in Tampa against the wonderful Rays in the one the the best stadium in the league. Um, yes. Game best. best game best stadium ever. Um, <laughs> God, I can't even say it with a straight face. Um, <laughs> Chris Sale goes game one, David Price goes game two, and Drew, Drew Pomeranz goes game three. Uh, Jess, what do you got going on against Tampa? Uh, you know what? Sweep. Going Ooh, sweep. Going into the trough, the greatest stadium in the world, getting a sweep. Sale and, and Price feel pretty good about those. Pomeranz, not so much, but he's got to figure it out at some point, so maybe this is the week he figures it out. I think the Sox continue to beat up on AL East opponents after taking three out of four from the Orioles. So I'm going to go out on a crazy limb and say sweep. Um, I'm not going to talk about it. exactly the same thing for me. Um, they're just not good, and you have your two best pitchers going in this series, so you're going to win at least two just for that sake. And then um, they're not terrible, but they're not, they're not terrible. They're not good. They're not good, and you're going to win two games by default. I think just by who you're pitching. So um, I'm going to sleep there too. Then you have three against the Braves. Just here, I'm saying you're going to win two out of three um, because you do have Sale coming around on the back end. He's pitching twice this week, so that's good for your overallness. But at the same time, you do have Rick Porcello going, who has just, has been really good. Um, and then Erod is your middle guy, and he's figured it out. Like Erod's been looking pretty good too. So you have Porcello, yeah. Erod, and Sale going in this series. Now you have other guys going for like the Braves have Newcomb, Taheran. Um, I don't know how to, how do you say that dude's last name? Who is it? Starts with an F. Foltz. Oh, faulty Newicks. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to try it, but um, so they—I mean—they have good guys to counter punch you, but um, I just think you're at home, which is a big factor in there as well. You have two day games because it's uh, Saturday and Sunday, and then you roll into Memorial Day as this is Memorial Day weekend coming up. But um, mm-hmm. I say two out of three against the Braves. I'm gonna say lose two out of three. Um, the Braves have actually played much better on the road than at home. Believe it or not, they're 17 and eight on the road and. 
I like numbers. So I'm going to say lose two out of three after you sweep the race. So that's a four and two week. But it would be fine. I mean, that would be a good series to to see what they're all about. They if, and if nobody's aware here today on record date on Sunday, the Braves scored six runs in the ninth inning off the Marlins to win ten to nine. So they had a pretty pretty exciting day. Obviously, the most exciting day uh, game of the day. Yeah. When you score six runs in the ninth inning to win, that's that's a big deal. So they're riding high, they're hot, they're the best team in their division. So you know, twenty eight and seventeen, they're almost as good as the Sox. So yep, that'll be fun. I look yep. forward to it. That'll be a uh, a fun series, and then um, you're coming up on that first Houston series of the year, wrapped yes. up in June. So that you're coming up on that in, in Houston. Um, first Sunday night baseball game too for the Red Sox is that series. So. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll be uh, finally getting some primetime action, but it's nice to see the Braves actually good. Braves should be good. Braves are not a team that should be in last place. I like I like seeing the Braves relevant. Um, all right, especially well, we, when it's unexpected like this. Yeah, like the, and yeah. the them and the Phillies both. Like Gabe Kapler, like, Gabe Kapler doing pretty well after that little hiccup at the beginning of the year. Um, he's been doing well. He's got he's got a good group, and he, he's um, he's apparently sending something right in the clubhouse, pushing the right buttons. So um, yeah. he's got a young team. I think that's part of it too. I think the youngness of that team is really kind of be putting blinders on to what they're really doing um well yeah. a lot of a lot of first year managers having success this year cora boone kapler oh, yeah that's good stuff bit boone Ugh. he's not a good he just got inherited he inherited a team <laughs> hey they still have a good record and he's their manager they do so. they do it's a shame though i, I kind of giardi kind of got screwed in that situation but either way it's fine it's the yankees so i really don't care too much um all right we'll leave it there don't forget at red sox clns on twitter uh on itunes you rate review and subscribe to the red sox beat podcast amazingness uh next week's gonna be a big show with timelines so definitely subscribe there as well don't forget our good friends at draft as well uh, that is just thomas on that side i'm jared scally on this side we'll be back next week red sox beat here on clns Media.